Well, good morning. Clothed with nakedness. We've been talking about garments. And what we mean by, by that is everyone wears, some, everyone wears something in life. The Bible tells us to take off despair, deceit, delusions, and put on. So there's a taking off process in our lives. We take off all kinds of things in our lives, don't we? I'm not just talking about natural clothes now. Try and think beyond natural clothes. We take on, we put on emotions. We put on thinking. We put on feelings. Hurt. And we can take those things off and we can put them on us. Sometimes people put them on us and we didn't want them. And it also takes others to take them off. It takes other people to come and help us take some things off what other people put on. Yeah? And last week we talked about Psalm 45 verses 1 to 4. And it talks about clothing yourself in majesty and splendor. God's garments for our life is far better than any other garment life could ever throw at us. And life throws some stuff at us. How many of you know that? And we said the word splendor means beauty. And it's attractive. And it's admirable. And it brings great attention. Have you ever noticed a beautiful woman, guys? Have you ever noticed a beautiful or a handsome? They don't, women don't say he's beautiful. They say he's handsome, don't they? Have you ever known, I know these sanctified women in here have never, other than their husbands, have you ever noticed a handsome looking guy? Of course you have. Of course you have. (laughs) Just being honest, yeah. So, beauty beauty is attractive, it brings attention. You can't hide beauty. But you can certainly smother it. You can certainly try and contain it. You can certainly damage it. And you can certainly cheapen it. You can cheapen, you can cheapen beauty. And the word majesty means part of the word, not all the word, means dignity. And dignity simply means quality of character. So with your beauty... Do you have a quality of character that is attractive and brings attention in the right sense? And this is what it's saying. When you clothe yourself in majesty and splendor, it's saying quality of character. Something that is beautiful, something that is attractive, that brings the right kind of attention. If you want another word for it, it's it's salt and light. Let your salt... Let's say, let your light shine before men. In other words, let this beauty, let this radiance that's in, you, in your life begin to be attractive. Let it, let it display quality of character within you. Amen? So Revelation 3.17 says this. And you've read this many, many times. And it says, Revelation 3. And you can't probably see that. It's probably too small for you. But Anyway, that's why you have your own Bible. Is that Corinthians? Why is that doing there? 
Uh, they put the right. Ah, they put the right one on. I've, right, it's the wrong scripture. Ignore it. That's the next scripture. I've not put the first scripture, and that's why. Okay. Meanwhile, open your Bible. Forget the media department. We all right? Scott, take him in the next room, son. Go and talk. Chris, you might need to go and help him. <coughs> this gentleman is a man I found on the step one night. And he'd, he'd obviously had a few scoops. And uh, he's a builder down the road. And I started witnessing to him. And uh, it was, that was about three months ago. And lo and behold, I walk in, he's here this morning. So that's good. Praise God. So just leave the guys to talk with him. We'd be saved, sanctified, and delivered by the time we finished. <laughs> Meanwhile, you get your eyes in your Bible. You say, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But do you not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked? Let me say that again. You say that I'm rich. And I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But do you not realize that you're actually wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked? That is quite an amazing statement. To a person or to people who think they're rich. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. So you can become rich. So he's giving him, he's telling him the right materials to become rich. You don't need what you think you've got is rich. It's what you need and don't have. Can you see this? And, this, and he says, and white clothes to wear. So you can cover your shameful nakedness and slave, and salve, sorry, to put on your eyes. So you can see. To those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. And then you hear this word, you've all heard this phrase. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Now now you understand, I want you to see the contents of which that word was spoken in this morning. He's saying, I'm actually here, and you don't know who I am. You've got your life worked out, you've got all kinds of things going on. You think you're rich, but actually you're poor. You're full of pity, you're naked, and you've got your shame. I see your nakedness, and I see your shame. But you don't see it. But here I am, I stand at the door. And why am I at the door? Because you've thrown me out my own church. Yeah? So for many years I've read this scripture, and I've heard preachers say that, oh, this is an evangelistic text, and it's been used, and many people have been saved. So that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. But it actually isn't an evangelistic text. It's a text highlighting what's missing. It's a text highlighting nakedness and shame. Can you see it? And as I've read, as I began to read this scripture, I began to see it in a fresh light. It is naked. It's, it's speaking to nakedness and shame. And this scripture, and as Jesus is, spoke, is speaking to these people, he's actually exposed what they don't have. And every time Jesus speaks to us, he will always expose what we don't have, and he'll always encourage us with what we have yeah. and what we know. It's very, it's very easy to go through Christian life thinking you've got the answer. And in part, you should have the answer, but the truth is, we don't have it all together. We've got the answer, but we don't have all the pieces in the right place. So we're not always beautiful and attractive 
and, qual- and we're not yet built that quality of character, but yet because we're Christian, we tell ourselves, I'm okay, Jack. But when you don't have that quality of character built into your life and you don't have that beauty and that tra- uh, majesty to attract others to you or to the Christ in you, that's because there's some things in our life that need to be exposed. And this is why we need to get under the word so that the word can become the light that then begins to shine on our lives and expose the shame and nakedness that's inside us. Oops. Despite all that we own, despite all that we are, despite what we do in life, despite the many people who love us and know us and like us, It's good to be exposed before the word. It's the safest exposure you'll ever have. It's the safest exposure you'll ever have. Because when the light exposes you, only the light sees you. You and I don't see it. We don't don't have infrared eyes that we can see into the life of somebody else. We only see what, or so we only know, we begin to see by what people tell us. Now, obviously, we can observe from a distance and see patterns of behavior, and we get a sense, but nobody knows your heart like Christ does. So, Jesus tells them to buy gold and refresh themselves and buy materials so that their hearts will be pure. Yeah? So that they'll truly become rich in the eyes of God. And notice he says, white clothes. So that you can cover your shameful nakedness. That's what he says. Your shameful nakedness. You're standing in there all proud, telling me what you think you are, what you know, who you are. But actually, I see right through you and I see shame and nakedness. And that's our world. That's our world. He says, put put this salve ointment on your eyes. So when you put them on your eyes, you'll be able to see your true state. Can you imagine if, if God could rub our, the eyes of Great Britain with this ointment and everybody's eyes open, we wouldn't be consumed in the areas we're consumed if our eyes could see differently. And he's trying to help us here to see something. So now I can go to 2 Corinthians. Oh, look, you're already there, you see. I prepared you for it. Listen to what he says. Now, repeat this after me if you will. God could not bless who you pretend to be. God could not bless who you pretend to be. God cannot bless who you pretend to be. God can only bless who you really are. God cannot bless who you pretend to be. Do we see this? And throughout life, you'll try to pretend to be so many different people. Part of growing up is pretending to be somebody else. The little girl puts the slippers or the shoes on, mummy's shoes on, and pretends to be mummy. Now, that's not wrong, is it? So, the young boy will put dad's jacket on and think he's going to work. And think he's a workman like dad. But he's not a workman. He's just trying to be... He's just trying to pretend to be like his father. Now that's good and that's wholesome. But the trouble is, of course, as we get older, we then look for other garments to put on 
So we pretend to look like somebody else and be somebody else. And here's our problem. So Corinthians speaks into this and it says, now, now we have this. Now, sorry, now we know that if our earthly tent we live in is destroyed, so your body is a garment, it's a, it has one appearance, yeah? We have, we have a building from God. Now I know that if our earthly tent that we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God. And an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan longing to be clothed. This body wants to put on perfection. Yeah? Longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Who wants to be clothed with a heavenly body? And the flesh cries out because the flesh is weak. And the flesh has all kinds of ailments and, and problems and blah, blah, in, uh, deficiencies. So even your flesh says, I can't wait for, the, for, for this, this body of mine is decaying, it's dying, it's not what I want it to be, it's not who it was meant to be. And Jesus says, it's okay because over here is what you were always meant to be. And it's called a heavenly body. Now, some of us need to look in the mirror and realize we don't have a heavenly body. Because when we were clothed, we will not be found naked. So there's going to be a transition in our life when God's going to clothe us and we won't be naked. But right now in this earthly tent, we're naked. Can you see that? Your earthly body and its, and its faults is naked before God. But there'll come another body where God will give to us, called the immortal body, when it's clothed. And when it's finally clothed, it's fine. It lasts for eternity. Who wants, who wants a life like that? Who wants a life like that? So, because when we're clothed, we'll not be found naked. For while we're in this tent, we groan and are burdened. Anybody been burdened and groan in this tent? Yeah? Saying that after, you, after you've just had a big bag of sweets, no wonder. Because... We do, he says, for while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed. There's something about this flesh that does not want to be unclothed and exposed. You're not designed to volunteer to expose yourself emotionally, psychologically. I'm not talking about physically. You know that's against the law, (laughs) in case anyone didn't know that. If you didn't know that, come in here and let's see how quick we remove you. You'll find out. So we know that this earthly body, let me go back to it, uh, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose, and he has given us the spirit as a deposit. Guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we will always be confident and know that as long as we are at home in this body, we are away from God. So there's a part of my life and your life that is still yet incomplete. This flesh of mine causes me problems. I have to manage it. I have to work it. I have to take care of it because it carries problems. It carries diseases, sickness, ailments, all those kind of things. Anybody found that? Even in a stallion like me. So, our understanding, going back to the illustration of the, of the little boy wanting to be like his dad and the little girl wanting to be like mom, and, and using what we've just read in Corinthians, 
that because we don't want to be naked and found naked, we find ourselves taking up thoughts and we clothe ourselves a character. We put on ourselves a character. Now, some of these characters you'll recognize. There's one called Batman. But every one of these, have you noticed all these super, all these Marvel characters all have a mask on? They all have a mask. And the mask is significant because they do not want to expose who they really are. So they wear a costume. So let's take it one step further. You might want to write this word down. It's called an armoured costume. Nobody gets in. It's impenetrable. If you're going to apply Psalm 45 and clothe yourself with splendour and majesty, you can't be putting your new clothes over this. This costume, or this armoured costume, costume, costume armour, whatever you want to call it, has to be removed, but you have to be exposed. The Batman in you has to be exposed. You're not Batman. Just because mummy bought you a suit, just because you watched it, and you saw the early Bruce Wayne movies, that was the first Batman, or one of them, pow, pow, holy God, Batman, <laughs> I'm not talking about the, um, what was the other fella? The, um, no, 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 no. Who was the guy? Val, Val Kilmer, is that his name? Do you remember him? Someone's going, who are these people? This is the gospel according to the movies. One of the guys who played Batman, he's been many, George Clooney, Christian Bale, and Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Ben Affleck, yeah, there's been quite a few. And, uh, you know, they're not really Batman, don't you? It's a role they're playing. It's a role they're playing. They want to do good in the community. But they're almost like the good vigilante. That's what they are. The, the, the lawless. They go about cleaning up the streets in their own way. Right? It's lawlessness. It's what it is. But Batman has got his, you know, all his gadgets. He's a techno man. He loves his toys. So he hides behind his toys. So what do you hide behind? Some of these guys have always got to have a car. Got to have the latest computer. Got to have the latest TV. 4K, 5K, 6K, whatever it is. Special K TV. <clears throat> you might be Spider-Man. You might want to just to be able to zip into the office and look cool with everyone. But outside the office you wear, or inside the office, you've still got a mask on. You wear a mask around people because you don't want people to know that you're Parker. That's right, his name, isn't it? Yeah. Parker. <clears throat> just making sure. Well, you're watching all these, I'm praying normally. I'm exposing myself. I actually, actually don't like, out of all Marvel characters, Spider-Man's going to go for me. He's not my least of my favourites. Maybe Iron Man. Now, Pastor Reiner, when we were at the youth conference, the youth took all the Marvel characters and they put my head on one. 
They put Pastor Kwame's head on one. They put Philip DuPont's head on and Pastor Iron. Now, Pastor Iron has had a lot of operations and he's had steel put in his legs because he'd had a lot of accidents uh, riding horses. So they put his head on Iron Man. They put me as Thor. I've got the hammer. They put Pastor Kwame as the Hulk. And Pastor Philip as the guy who does the arrows. What's he called? You know the Marvel? The archer, whatever it is. Anyway. <coughs> and it was quite funny. They put our heads on. But the trouble is, we didn't have a mask. We were exposed. So Thor was exposed. That's me with the hammer. I like the idea of being able to go into another dimension, though. Right through. So Iron Man. Have you noticed about Iron Man, if you've ever watched Iron Man, he can never get his relationship right with his wife. Have you noticed Batman? Batman can never get his relationship right with a woman. Have you noticed Spider-Man? He don't know how to relate with women. All these Marvel characters do not know how to relate. Unless they've got the mask on. Because they're always looking to be a hero. Just be a, a regular guy first. And then, Batman and Superman. I mean, that's blasphemy. You can't put Batman and Superman against each other. Now, I know the movie doesn't work out like that way. But Superman was always my favourite. Because Superman could do that. He could see through. He could, he, to me, he's, he's cool, he can fly. To me, he's got his kryptonite. We've all got our weak points. But you see, even Superman, what was he like around Lois Lane? Mumbling and fumbling. <laughs> Didn't know how to relax. Well, gee, well, gee, look, gee, gee, look. Get a grip, man, get a grip. <laughs> Doesn't know how to relate. Can't get involved in a relationship. Why? Because he's so exposed when he's not in his mask. When we're not in our costume, we're so exposed and feel naked. So what do you do when you feel naked and exposed outside your costume? You jump into one. And you stay in one. Why? Because it's safer there. And your costume is armoured. So no one can penetrate you. And we all have a costume. We all have a costume. Don't lie to yourself. We all have a costume. But God could not bless who you pretend to be. God cannot bless who you pretend to be. So when he calls you to the altar, he doesn't say, Hey, Elijah, Batman, come here. He doesn't call him Batman. He doesn't call him by his marble costume, his armour. He calls him by his name because that's who he is. Why? Because in God's light, he's exposed. He's exposed in God's light. You might be able to pull it off in front of me and others. But God calls you by who you are. <coughs> he sees you who you are. You know your father, your mother or your father, when you're trying to act big in front, in front of your pals, your mother and father know who you are. And they'll say, Tony, are you trying to be an idiot in front of your friends? And your mother and father will reduce you. And you'll say, excuse me, mum, I've got a moment here. This is my moment to establish dominance. <laughs> Tony Higginson, get in here and clean these pots. Tony Higginson, get in here and eat your dinner. Mothers and fathers have a way of diminishing you and reducing you to who you really are. 
And life has a way of diminishing you to who you're not. True? These Marvel characters, each one has a costume. These Marvel characters, each one have their own identity that they've chosen themselves. Think about this. This identity is what you, they want you to know them by. Hello? Some people want you, some people act really ugly around you because they want you to reject them. They want to be known as ugly so that, so that you reject them and therefore they'll be justified feeling the way they are. Rejection, exactly, rejection carries its own banner around. And rejection will always attack people, so you'll reject them, which then justifies them in feeling rejected. It's almost like a drug they need. So the, worst, the way to kill rejection is not by rejecting them. It's by loving them. But the trouble is, they're a nuisance. And there are to be around. So love is the only thing that will break down that costume. And it's difficult when you, when you think, let's reject people by using rejection. No, no. Let's take the costume off and let's bring the walls down by using the opposite. We need the, the, the serum and the antidote is the opposite. Love. There's some people, you just think, you know what? You're hard work. And Jesus says, no more harder than you are. You need to go and show them that I cannot bless them if they won't be honest with who they really are. My job this morning is to tell you that God can't bless who you pretend to be. Each one of us has developed a costume over the years. Self-preservation. In certain environments, we all want to fit in in certain environments. Is that not true? But how many of you know, and here's the key word for you, how many of you know to remove a costume makes you vulnerable? And none of us like to be vulnerable. We don't like being vulnerable. We don't volunteer for vulnerability. But in God's economy, vulnerability is essential. Oh, it is, and I'll show you. You know, it says in Genesis 25, uh, 2, oh, we'll go back. A man and his wife, Genesis 2.25, please see this. The man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. The man and his wife wasn't two blokes, two women. Wasn't someone having sex who wasn't married. It was very clear, the man and his wife. Can't get any clearer than that. He didn't say man and his wives. Very clear. The man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. And they felt no shame. In other words, their nakedness before one another put them in a position where they were vulnerable. I can see all of her. 
She can see all of him. I can see her beauty. She can see he's getting old. She can see his body diminishing. She can see his body, whatever it is. The point is, take the word and felt no shame. There was nakedness and yet there was no shame. How I suggest you, do you not think that is the place where God wants us to be? Where we can lie down with God, totally naked before him, and feel no shame. Okay, now you're safe in that environment to some degree. What about being naked with certain people? And I'm not talking about physically naked now. Emotionally, psychologically, being naked around and transparent with some people and feeling no shame. Because here's the problem with many Christians. They'll say, everything I ever do, everything I ever say is just between me and the Lord. You're wrong. It's not true. Yes, you must always be naked. It's amazing how you're so free in the presence of God, but you're never free when you come out of it. Think about that. You can't be so free and liberated in God's presence that when you come out, you're still bound up. That's not the presence of God. Because presence of God sets me free so I can come out. Now, let's put some checks and balances. I didn't say you come out of God's presence and then you just get on the internet and you tell everybody. That's not what we're saying. Now, here's the, here's the two ends of the spectrum here. It's not good for me, it's not just good enough, or I'm going to rephrase this. Though it's good for me to be transparent before the Lord, if I can't be transparent outside here with some people, then that is not actually working for me. Something's not right. Because God should set me free in his presence. In his presence, read what the Bible says. The Bible says that there's freedom in his presence. There's praise, there's liberty in his presence. Right. If it only lasts, it's only a spray on. It's, it's not practical enough. I need to be able to carry, take what I've just found in his presence and received in his presence out. So then you find the right kind of people. But to turn around and say, no one is worthy of it, it's wrong. It's, it's a fact that you're still bound up. Come on, be honest with yourself. Your nakedness will always try and grab clothes to cover up and justify why you shouldn't be vulnerable. And I'm telling you, you cannot be liberated in his presence and bound outside of it. The two don't go together. What kind of Christianity? That's useless. You know, when Moses was in his presence, he said to Moses, leave my presence and go and tell him and I'll go with you. So Moses said, if you don't come, I'm not going. Think of that. So Moses realized that what was in that room could also be transferred and taken outside. So here's, here's a, a little illustration that might help some of you. Let's draw a circle and put self in it. Who's in there? Who lives in that circle? Self. We all know self. Self has levels of awareness, levels of consciousness, 
It has levels of denial. Are you sure about that? In your conscience, there is awareness, there's consciousness, there is denial, and there are blind spots. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I may have a blind spot. Well, when you point it out, that's not, I'm not blind in that area. No, 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 no. So, let's put out blind spots. Unawareness. Awareness. You can't read this, but... Consciousness. So, let me explain it like this. <laughs> You're young. I don't want to put an age on it because to put an age on it will probably kill the illustration. But you're young. How young you want to be is up to you. And you're at school and the teacher makes you do something in the class that really embarrassed you. Now, I remember once as a kid do you know the cricketer, Michael Atherton? Well, his father taught me at school. And uh, his father was sadistic when it came to handing out punishment. And what he used to do, he used to let, if you had any excuse whatsoever that why you couldn't do games, it was never good enough. <laughs> you, needed three, you needed three letters, a judge, a judge to sign one of them, and a chief constable to say, the judge is kosher. No excuse was ever good enough for Mr. Atherton. And when it came to him punishing you, he used to make you go to a little basket in the corner and pull out all the odd clothes you could find. Now, you know kids forget their kit. Do they? Of course they do. The kids forget who they are, never mind the kit. They know they've got, well, we called it PE in those days. They know you've got PE. So you say, Jake, Jimmy, John... Don't forget, you've got games tomorrow. Yeah, I know, Mum. All your kit's there on the side. So all they have to do is get up in the morning, put the kit in the side of the bag. Mum left that responsibility to them. So they get to school, and what did they forget? Right. So now they've got to mumble and fumble and make all excuses to the teacher. And the teacher's seen this before. He's seen it a million times, and he's buying none of it. So he's going to make you an example. So now he says, get to that corner. And you got, then there's two left slippers in there. There's a pair of shorts with stains on it. Let's not go any further. And there's a T-shirt. He said, get them on. You're going out. So you come out and every kid's laughing at you. Every kid's laughing at you. Because now you're going to become the mascot. You're going to become the, the class clown. So you have to go out and you... And all the kids, ah, look at Iggy, yeah, look at Iggy. <laughs> That's my nickname at school, Iggy. Look at Iggy, look at him, yeah, 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 yeah. You're not strong, I'll have you all, I'll have you all outside afterwards. <laughs> or the other thing you used to do was make you jump in the baths, because we had our own baths, we were a posh school. <laughs> when no one else had a swim baths, we had a swimming baths. Right, so we jumped into our, we jumped into our, uh, our pool, and then he'd, he'd get you out, he'd make you put the trunks on from the bin. And then you'd get out, and he'd whack you when your backside was wet. Oh, these boys were evil. So, what do you think this does? Now, you put now straight away as I'm saying that, you've all got your own scenarios. So, let's draw another circle. 
Let's now write the word shame. Nakedness. Because of that event, I felt naked and my nakedness brought shame. It might be your mother was divorced, your father, mother and father was divorced, and all your kids, all, all your pals around you had mothers and fathers, and you felt embarrassed and shamed because you went through a divorce. It might be that all the other kids' fathers took their sons to the game. But your father was always away working. And when your kids talked about you, uh, talked about at the weekend about them being with their fathers at the game, it brought nakedness and shame to you. Might be your mother. She was never at home. She had different relationships with different fellas. And it brought you shame and nakedness in your circle of people. My mother, let's just say my gran was a lady of, let's just say, activity. Which meant my mother never saw her mother most of the time, and she was always had to go in. My mother was always, sorry, my gran was always dropping my mother off at aunties. You always had an auntie, didn't you, in those days? It's amazing, all these aunties. Not one of them sent me any money at my birthday. So they weren't aunties. Aunties is, is summed up by what they put in your card when you're a kid. <laughs> Even if it's a chocolate bar, put something in the car. Tell me you love me with chocolate. <laughs> Let me see the queen's face smiling at me. So, my mother was, was literally raised from pillar to post by these various mysterious aunties who we never saw, never knew. So it, it could have brought a sense of shame to my mother. And so when she's talking with her friends, blah, 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 mum says, oh, yeah, I've lived there. I've been there. I've seen that. Well, how come? I thought you lived in Manchester. I'm shame and nakedness now because I got passed from pillar to post. This is how it begins to develop in our lives. Now, let's go to the third circle. Can everybody see this? So we've now got self... Blind spots, awareness, unawareness, uh, conscience. It creates shame and nakedness. Now, right in here, costume armor. I now have to, for my self-preservation, I have to find a costume that protects me. Can you see this? <clears throat> and this becomes identity. It becomes your identity. And your identity was shaped by your shame and your nakedness. Can you see this? So then then, you wear this so long that you're now unaware that you're wearing it. When you were young, you realized to some degree you had to tough it out. 
And because you've worn it so long, you've now become so comfortable with it that you've allowed it to tell you that this is who you really are. But it's not who you really are, and God cannot bless who you pretend to be. God can only bless who you really are. So when, so when you are faced with who you pretend versus who you really are, vulnerability, I don't remember spell it right, but anyway, that's what it is. Vulnerability is the only commodity God needs. Your vulnerability now is the key thing. Can everybody see this? And I'm sure as we're using this little illustration here, the coins are clicking through your, through your life. For me, my father told me I was always stupid. I was thick. That was his favorite word, thick. Remember that, Arkid? Thick. Arkid means sister in Manchester. Those who didn't know, that's my sister. I'm the younger one. That's the way it is, Shil. Just the way it is. Get over it. So my father brings an element of shame into me. Right? So shame and nakedness. You're stupid. You're stupid. So go to school. You don't succeed. Why? Because you think you're stupid. Right? So then you build an identity. Do you know what my identity was? It was sarcasm. How do you spell it? C-A-C-I-C-A-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-A-C-
And now you have to walk with an element of vulnerability. So as you walk out, you see, anybody seen the Iron Man film? As he, as he literally lands on his platform. Have you seen it? He walks, and as he walks, it undresses him. You seen it? It undresses him, so he's back to who he really is. And as he begins to go back into a crisis again, he puts his hands out and he calls to the machine, and the machine and all these parts fly to him, and it dresses him as he's moving. And then it's up, up and away. That's the Superman, isn't it? But so what we need to do, we need to undress. And as we walk in the light, God begins to clothe us in righteousness. And he says, put on the garments of splendor and majesty. But you've got to walk away from your identity, your false identity, and embrace who you really are. And every one of us has got a reason why we build, why that shame came into our life. So let's go into Genesis Th- th- uh, chapter 3, we'll bring this to, we'll have to bring it to a conclusion. Is this helping you? Yeah. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7 and 12. Then the, eyes of, then the eyes of both of them were opened. Whoa, just stop there. Just put that in your, in your Bible there. It's time for my eyes to be opened. Time for my eyes to be opened. Now look what they're going to go into. One, we just read previously that they were naked and they were not ashamed. But now it reverses. Let's see it. Genesis. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they, were re- and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. You see, there's the armor. Straight away, they'll make a covering for themselves because they now realize that they're naked. So they've sewed a fig leaf. Now, it's not much of an armor, but right now, it's the best they've got. Yeah? And you think, a fig leaf's not going to hide much. Well, it was enough for them not to feel. They've got, what the problem is here, they're trying to cover the shame. Whether what they managed to do was sufficient, the, the issue is they were trying to cover and it's amazing the lengths you'll go to to keep your identity under wraps. Yeah? So, the eyes of both of them were open and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. Covering. In other words, they no longer had a costume armor, so now they had to make one. Then the man and, uh, the man and his wife heard the sound the Lord God, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord, just like many of us do. They hide from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, Adam, where are you? I don't know what his second name was, but let's just say, Adam El Shaddai, you better get your backside down here now. Adam, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid. Because what? Because I was naked. Well, let's rephrase, let's rephrase it. I hid in the garden. Why? Because I was ashamed. I was ashamed. So now he's got consciousness. He's got awareness of what is now 
inside his heart. And God only has to call out his name. Straight away, the voice of the Lord exposes what's missing in your heart. And he said, who told you that you're naked? Did you not get an email? Who told you that you were naked? Have you? Uh, and then, you know, it's like the father goes, have you been eating from that tree? And the kid goes, have you been eating from that tree? You know what the kids do? And they go like, have you been eating biscuits? <laughs> no. Do you remember last week when I used the illustration of my granddaughters? How one will go and ask the grandparent for a biscuit on behalf of the other one. It's a very careful, it's a very snidey deal they've got going on between them. It's the good cop, bad cop. One looks innocent. Well, I didn't ask for the biscuit if she gets rejected. And the other one's saying, I'm asking. Don't scold me, I'm asking for her. So you give a biscuit and she gets a biscuit. She knows full well you're not just going to give her the biscuit. I should try that one, shouldn't I? Just go and give that to Ellie, you're not having one. No, I wouldn't do that on my babies, wouldn't do that. I do it on Scott and Ben and Laura, but not on the, not on the kids. So the thing is, is she knows if I get a biscuit, you're going to give me one and I give to her. And I can look the saint in this whole deal. I can look the saint. These are the games we play. These are the games we play. Learn the lessons from kids. Because you, you once was a child, once upon a time. So he says, and I said, who told you were naked? Have you eaten from that tree? So, going back to the illustration of my granddaughter. The other week, she takes a sweet. Now, previously, she'd been told she could have a sweet. So, for her, that's the green light all day. No, it's not. You asked me, can I have a sweet? You took a sweet. You asked me, can I have a sweet? Now we're, getting, now we're getting into the fine details of the terms and conditions. And you have to have them where children are concerned because children, children just see green lights. Yeah? So now when she takes another sweet, some, some, the next day she thinks it's a free weekend pass. It's not a free weekend pass. And you know, part of me goes, oh, I love this kid so much, I just want to put my arms around her and just kiss her. But you've got to stand there and you've got to show her some discipline. So I say to her, did you take a sweet? She goes, all that. Puts the sweet behind us. Like, as if, what? I didn't do it. What was what, what sweet? What, what? It was Ella! It wasn't Ella. It was you. Who told you you could take a sweet? Well, yesterday. Whoa, whoa. Terms and conditions. It's a new day now, sweetheart. With God, there's always terms and conditions. And I've been teaching the students this. It's ironic, Carolyn. Mine, Carol, we laugh about it. Our initials is T and C. I say, I'm the term, she's the condition. <laughs> Who told you that you're naked? Who's going to tell you that you are naked? Who is going to tell you? Who are you going to allow to tell you that actually, despite your armor, you're actually naked? You're transparent more ways. Have you noticed some people try, the more they try to hide, the more transparent they become. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from that tree I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, it was the woman. It was the Ella and Harper scenario. 
It's the woman. It was my sister you gave. I'm only asking because of who? Passing the book. And straight away, he's actually saying now that he's still trying to hide his shame. And he's getting out the way and he's saying, focus on her shame. Not mine. So we'll pass the book and we'll blame others and we'll badmouth others and we'll try and keep the others in the light so that I can keep my costume on. But Adam, you still feel full of shame. That's why you hid. And every time I turn up, Adam, you're going to feel the same. Every time I speak, Adam, you're going to feel the same. Every time you go out with your friends in certain environments, you're aware of those feelings and you're going to keep that costume on. Every time you go in front of your boss, you're going to keep that. And it gets tiring and it gets wearisome and it gets depressing. And when you come home at night, you take the costume off and you lie in the bed and you go, and it's getting harder and harder to keep wearing this costume. Your costume might be your intelligence. Your costume might be that you're smart and lovable. And you like that. Your costume might be that you're funny to be around. And as you're making others laugh, they don't see into you, you deflect. Your costume may be that you are very needy. And because you're needy, you become flirty. And because you come flirty, you're saying, I'm easy to be engaged. So you end up having loads and loads of relationships that never work. Because you're the needy one and you give yourself away too easy. And others just abuse you and use you. And you think it's a costume. Well, actually, it's not working well. It's not a costume that's protecting you. It's a costume that leaves you empty every time. Your costume may be your anger. Anger is a massive costume. I'll get them before they get me, so they can't expose me. Your, anger, your, your costume may be your unforgiveness. Yeah, it's amazing that when you forgive, you become vulnerable. And you step out the costume. And you walk away from it. Your, your costume may be, like me, sarcasm. Undo somebody before they can undo you. See, sarcasm keeps people at a length. And it's like, a, it's like a knife, it cuts them, slashes them. You know those thin knives that just take a slice out of you? Rather than cut you, it's not like it cuts you wide open, but you take a slice, like a paper cut. Paper cuts hurt, by the way. I used to work around paper. Man, those things can hurt. Maybe your costume is you hide behind drink. You drink because you don't know how to talk. You drink to suppress your emotions. You drink because to you it helps you forget, but you never forget. Why? Because you know you need a drink the next day to forget what you want to forget. 
Think about that. It's crazy, but it's true. I know enough to know that I need a drink to forget and suppress. Because the moment I haven't got a drink, I start thinking about it. So your violence. So Habakkuk says this, and I'm going to have to finish on this. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbours. Pouring out from wineskins till they are drunk, so that they can gaze on their naked bodies. Now just think about this. Some, let's go back to the flirty woman. The flirty woman who's needy, and the man who drinks, find each other. Have you noticed that? Certain people are always drunk together. Certain needy people always find the drunk. And the drunk finds the needy, and sometimes it's the same person. Woe to him who gives drink to his neighbours, pouring it out from wineskin till they're drunk, so that they can gaze on their naked bodies. In other words, they take advantage. So you'll be filled with shame, whoa, instead of glory. Whoa. Now it is your turn, drink and be exposed. God, in other words, God's going to say, he's talking to a nation here, say, now you're going to be exposed. Your own actions are going to be exposed. Now it's your turn, drink and be exposed. The cup from the Lord's right hand is coming around to you and disgrace will cover your glory. Wow. Now, when the Lord does that to a nation, that's the Lord's business. But when you do that to yourself, it's your business and it affects you. But notice what happens. Your disgrace, your grace, when you, when you abuse your grace in God, it ends up becoming disgrace. Right? And your disgrace then covers over your glory. Because your glory is your costume. Your glory, splendor and majesty is your costume that God wants you to wear. And this is where we've been trying to get to in this 40 day encounter. It's so that you can take your garments off and clothe yourself with glory, splendor and majesty. But church... We're going to have to come to this. We cannot ignore this. We cannot bypass that. Oi. Oi. The only way is you better stay in that vine and let God prune. Prune. Everybody say prune. God cannot bless who you pretend to be. God can only bless who you were created to become. You want to write that down? It's so good. It's worth saying again. God cannot bless who you pretend to be. He can only bless who you were created to become. For those who became children of God, He gave them the right to become. So, Back in the garden, he says, a mother and father, uh, sorry, a children shall leave their mother and father, and the two shall what? Become. They shall become. So it's what the purpose was what they become. They become one flesh. So the costume of a married couple is to become one flesh. That's the costume. Because it's not. 
It's not all, a lot. Of, a lot of rubbish is spoken about marriage, and a lot of wisdom is spoken about marriage. But one thing is this: I can't complete Carol. I'm going to knock this on the head. I can't complete Carol. Am I Jesus Christ? Only Jesus Christ can complete Carol. And if I've got this, if she's got this idea that I've got to complete her, I'm in trouble. I'm not a saviour. I'm a husband. My job is to love her, not complete her. But through my love, through my love, she feels an element of completion. But there are things I can never give to Carol. Why? The costume that she needs to wear, she needs to wear. Only God can clothe her. My job is not to clothe her. My job is to wash her. Scripture says, wash her with the word. Didn't say clothe her. It's his job to clothe her. It's my job as a married man to clothe her. Wash her. Wash her. Thank you. And you get the pleasure of undressing them. That's a marriage. Hey, come on, that's the covenant. So why? Watch. I know we're all grown ups in here. So that we can lie naked and feel no. If Carol's got to get undressed in the dark, or I've got to get undressed in the dark, turn the light on, make sure no one's looking. No one should be in our house anyway. The freeloader's left. He's gone. So now, so when the light, listen, when the, when the lock's on, there's no key coming in and he's not going to move the chain anymore. The lights are on, the lights are on, the lights are off, the lights are off. We should be free and confident enough in our nakedness to feel no shame. If mum's got to keep turning the light off and running, running in, that's not good. Yeah, that's what you used to do. It's amazing when I go to the gym. I've said this before. How many men are not comfortable in their own masculinity? It's amazing. They put mirrors all around the gym. And a guy, I've seen guys do it, and it may, I just want to go and bang their heads. I've seen a guy come in, he'll pick one weight up. He'll do two reps, if that. And then he'll look in the mirror and go, what do you think's going to happen? Because you lift two weights up. But one of the classic ones is, He's out. I observe. I like to observe life. I could be a good comedian somewhere because I like observing life. And I walk in that gym and you see the blokes who are scared. Towel around them. It's like being on the beach. Dropping the... And he step out like the towels all around him. It's like, we've all got one! And then you see him running to the shower. And they run into the shower with a little towel around him and they take their underpants with him. So when they've had a shower, I saw one bloke, no lie, one bloke the other week came out of the shower fully dressed. How'd you do that? <laughs> he came out of the shower fully dressed, I'm thinking, wow, that is amazing technology. <laughs> Seriously, I'm thinking, wow. But it's amazing how many guys will come out with the briefs on because they feel uncomfortable being naked in front of other people. And then you get the older fellas who just walk around. Just not a problem. Why? Because they're secure in the masculinity. And it's a... 
Bizarre thing, but it's a funny thing to watch. Certainly in our gym it is anyway. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they are. And then, so the other week, one of the women comes into our gym, and she's one of the, the, the trainers, and she needs to get into somewhere, and it's in our room. So she sends one of the lads in to tell everybody she's coming in, but the lad doesn't do it. Now, luckily enough, I'm dressed. And she comes in. Whoa! People's running, scurrying. So I said to her, why didn't you shout? So she got really offended with me. I said, you're offended with me? I said, if any of these guys were naked and took it up with you, you'd be in trouble. Well, I sent him in. I said, and this guy puts his head around and he starts laughing. (laughs) I didn't do it. I forgot to do it. So I said, why didn't you shout when you were coming in? To give everyone a chance. Because you know these guys. The, guy, the guy's not dressed in the shower yet. <laughs> it's amazing how people respond in their own masculinity. So, let's stand to our feet. There's more I could say, but I can't. <clears throat> Maybe it's saved by the bell. How many of you know fear? I can't write, I've got no more room. I'm not going to waste another piece of paper. Fear, your fear leads to you not trusting somebody. Lack of trust leads to you not want to expose yourself. So fear leads to mistrust. Lack of trust leads to you not, then not wanting to expose yourself. And the lack of exposure then means that you're not going to be known by someone. I'll pick up on this. Your position in life may be to, I don't want to be known by someone. And I'll show you why that is so wrong. Next time we speak. But just raise your hands if you will. I want you just to focus on this for a minute. Because this, I know there's people in this room today who have gone through that. And this is what I want you to submit to the law today. We don't need a worship night tonight to be able to deal with this now. Let's deal with this today and we'll deal with it in the subsequent weeks we talk about this. In our 40-day encounter to be encountered, God is clearly speaking to us about taking off the garments and clothing ourselves. And and very clearly in Psalm 45, he says, you must clothe yourself. It's not just God. When God sees you doing something, God moves towards you because God cannot bless who you pretend to be. He can only bless who you were born to become. Amen. Amen? So right now, raise your hands and say, Father, that is me. I recognize traits of that in my life. And I need to move out of this circle of shame. I need to move towards a new identity. My identity is in Christ. It's not in my shame. First of all, I want you to recognize your costume 
And I want you to go, to go and write your costume down. Describe it to yourself. Describe your own costume. ADT students, you need to hear, because we'll pick up on this. You need to write your costume down, describe it to yourself, so exactly you know to be that, to, to thine own self, be true. Write down who, what your costume has become, how it operates, how it functions. Write down so you can clearly see what it is. And then you can take it, you can present it before the Lord yourself. And when you present it before the Lord yourself and you say, Lord, I bring it to the cross. Very often we want in God to keep showing us. We know. We know what needs to be laid down. We know what needs to be laid down. Lay it down, write it down, show yourself how, it's, how it works in your life. Even highlight the people, even highlight the situations. Get it all down there and then you can present it to the Lord. And you can bring it to the altar. And you can say, Lord... I'm saying goodbye to the old me. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So come on, just go before the Lord and say, Father, thank you for your word this morning. It's, it's shone into my, my past. It's shone into my life. This is not who I want to be, but this is who I've become and I don't like it. I'm made for better than this. I'm made for better than this. So Father, no one's blaming. There's no shame in acknowledging this. We've all got elements of nakedness and shame in our life. So don't, get, so don't think anyone's trying to shame you. This is not about shaming you. This is about you acknowledging and taking it off and giving it to the Lord and putting on that white garment that we read in the book of Revelation. And the Lord says to you today, I stand at the door and knock. So open the door and let him in and say, Father, you can have it. I never look good in it anyway. Get this message, let other people hear this message. There may be friends you know that have struggled in this area. Let them hear this message. Get the truth out there. <coughs> Amen. So Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the bread. We thank you for the light, the salt that you've supplied to us. And Father, we look forward to encountering you in this area. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. Bless your church.